Hello, and welcome to the Spiraling Higher podcast hosted by me, Sam, Mindset and Manifestation Coach. And me, Gina, your biz and mindset coach. We're here to support you on your spiritual journey by bringing you intimate and raw conversations about healing, manifestation, consciousness, and spirituality. We hope this podcast makes you feel less alone as you become aware of your patterns and limiting beliefs to uplevel your life, manifest like a boss, and together, spiral higher. Hello, and welcome back to the Spiraling Higher podcast. I'm your host, Sam, and I'm here with my BFF, Gina. What's up? What's up? <laughs> Gina in the house. Gina in the house. <laughs> we always have to say that because it's an old joke, but yes. um, welcome back. If you are here with us, this is just another day in the life with Sam and Gina. If it's your first time, we are so excited that you are here spiraling higher with us. And today we have a really incredible guest to bring to you. His name is Oliver, who is also known as a spiritual activator. And we're so excited for him because he has his book coming out in March. It's called Spiritual Activator, The Five Steps to Clearing, Unblocking, and Protecting Your Energy to Attract More Love, Joy, and Purpose in Your Life. And I mean, what more could we want, right? So really excited for that. He hits all the boxes there. He hits all all the boxes. And to be honest, the conversation that we had with Oliver we, we did ask him a few questions about the book, but the conversation ended up being a truly paradigm-shifting exchange. <laughs> like, yeah. I really feel like I just can't think the same anymore after this conversation. What about I you? feel like he really helped to redefine a lot of these spiritual knowings that a lot of us learn on this journey. And I don't know, I feel like he explained them in such a way that made them a little bit easier to digest and almost more approachable, I guess. And I just love how we explained different things about our spiritual practices and how they don't even need to look spiritual. And so I feel like a lot of people are going to get a lot out of that section. Yeah. I mean, we definitely went into the spiritual perfectionist tendencies that we tend to develop when we go on a healing journey, right? You Mm -hmm. can become like a little bit obsessed with healing. And Gina and I have definitely both been there where we're like (laughs) addictively scheduling another healing session, like two astrologers in one week. And it's like, what are you doing? Like, you you don't need any of that. And he talks a lot about how a lot of your spiritual practice and um, healing is going to be done through the self and Mm -hmm. is self-sustaining. And so we go into a section about how anything that really made you feel lit up and connected as a child, those are really great ways to clear energy and sustain energy. So Mm -hmm. you don't have to always do like meditation or like journaling, although those are very beneficial practices. They may not actually be working for you. Mm-hmm. And it's actually crazy. There's a lot of spiritual people I meet who literally don't meditate. So like yeah. I just go on long I go on long walks, like I have long conversations and it's just not there's no one way to feeling oneness and peace and connection to yourself. So. Yeah, and he, he talks about spiritual rules and how we kind of start to make those rules. Like I need to meditate every day. I need to journal every day. And how, you know, sometimes we need to break those because those inherently then become like almost the opposite of spiritual. Um, But he talks about how the outcome is the most important part. So if you're meditating to feel connected or to feel love, but you also hanging out with your best friend, having a conversation, feel connected and love, he's like, maybe that's the equivalent or 10 times one meditation. And that part blew my mind. Yeah. 
Yeah. And basically that, you know, obviously he he's on a mission to help people clear, protect, unblock energy. Um, he's trying to, you know, work on the entire energetic system and like re- really clear energy from the roots. So the chakras, the blood, the organs, all this stuff. And he talks about how when you undergo any sort of energetic healing, right? It's so weird. Like, I don't want to go into it too much, but basically that you don't have to understand what's going on on a mental level. Mm. And I think that with our healing journey, it's like we want to know what's what belief we're changing. Like we want to know exactly how this is, you know, creating a result in our life. And I don't Why think is this you, happening? Yeah. And it really just gave me so much permission to just not know. Like mm-hmm. I legitimately these days, I don't know anything, guys. <laughs> Honestly, I feel like there was so many things I knew or like my ego knew maybe. And then recently, like my worldview has just been shattered and I'm just like picking up the pieces, TBH. But I have been really, maybe that's what's supposed to be happening. Like I'm just supposed to go forth with trust and just not know things because Man, my mind, my egoic mind, it wants to know things bad. And I don't have answers. Mm. Well, he <laughs> talks about the human story versus the soul story as well, which I think mm. it goes into the the human need to know and versus the spirit's need to know. And honestly, the spirit doesn't need to know anything. The spirit just is knowing. And it's just very, um, it's interesting to kind of separate those two because I used to think that my story was just my story, but I like how he separated that as well because it kind of gives you that permission to detach from the human story because you totally. come to the understanding that that's completely irrelevant at the end of the day. The soul story is the only one that counts. So we really, really, really hope that you guys listen in and and feel the shifts that we felt. We're curious to know which part resonates the most. So please do reach out to us and let us know. Um, And like Sam said, he does have a book. So we'll link everything in the show notes there. Um, Definitely dive into his social media content. He's got a lot of gold in there. I just went on a deep, deep, deep dive um, for the past few months, actually. So um, you can check him out on there as well. Totally. We can't wait for you to hear this conversation and we will catch you on the other side. Hey guys. <gasps> Oliver, how are you? I'm great. How are you doing? Doing so well. We're so excited. I've been on a deep dive binging so much of your content this week. And um, I've actually been following you for a while now. So we are just so honored to have you on here to have this conversation that we know mm. is going to really hit the mark for a lot of people. Thank you so much for having me. I'm, I'm super excited that you guys like, you know, um, are doing this show with me. Yes. yes. Well, Oliver, um, before we get started, and just so you know, we always just hit record before our guests come on. So you are live. But <laughs> um, we were looking into the fact that you have this incredible book coming out. So first of all, congratulations. Yeah, I'm super excited. I mean, it's it's been in the works for, for quite a while. So it's for me, it's like a, a new baby coming into the world. So it's 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 super exciting. I love that. How long were you working on it? Well, intentionally, I've always wanted to do a book. Um, it's probably been, I would say, a year, year and a half in the making. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's it's when when you're so we're used to doing longer programs, right? So when you're trying to condense everything in a book and kind of like pick just the best of the best, that's when it's 
like in a year, it's you try to be a perfectionist about like, hey, want to make sure everything in there just like moves the needle for people, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I have a question about that actually, because I feel like a lot of us are creators inherently. And I think when we're trying to, in this space, create something that's ultimately going to help a lot of other people, when you're yeah. creating, do you create from the lens of what you feel like you need to say, or are you creating from the lens of what you feel like other people need to hear? Um, definitely other people need to hear. So I do my best content typically with a live audience mm. and we can we get, try to capture it because the way it works is if there's a camera, I can still do it, but it's like, it's very different when a soul or, you know, souls are in front of me. Like we just did an event uh, where we had like over 6,000 people who like, wow. you know, paid to join one of our virtual events um, like a few weeks ago. And it's very different because when I'm in those events, I don't, it doesn't matter if I have like a to-do list of what I want to talk about. A lot of them goes out the window because when I, the moment I step into that event, like I'm tuning into everybody's energy. Mm, and yes. then the that comes over me is the one that's relevant to whoever's in front. So I just find that I'm more on point and just like on in front of a live audience versus like the camera, I can still do it, mm. but it's like, it's a very different feel, you know? Totally. I love that you said that because um, we actually just hosted a retreat in Arizona yeah. just a few days ago and we did have an itinerary, but I just, we kind of went off script, right? And yeah. it really was about getting in front of these people and tuning into what they needed at that time. You know, are they kind of tired right now? Should we take a break? Like, do we want to go outside? Um, and so following that intuition is definitely... I can see that you do that as well. Mm. Yeah, and it's it, it's it's very interesting because a lot of the the events that we do, it's very intuitive based. We try to have a schedule like like for example, we had another event um this last weekend, and we were supposed to go for six hours. I went for ten and a half. Whoa! Right? Because my, because yeah, because my goal is I stop when it's done. Mm. Right? It's like when the potency is there, when the message is delivered. Because a lot of times, if you have a message that's waiting to be shared. And you cap it and you stop it. It's like, it's the worst feeling. You get the, mm. you know, if you're, you know, if you're channeling and you get a channeler's head, uh, you know, hangover the next day because all that energy is supposed to be expressed now mm. is within you. Then, and then all of a sudden you're tired, adrenal fatigue, excess energy, all that stuff. So it's best to like, if it's flowing, let it flow. Um, mm. And so that's my, one of my rules is that I stop when I'm, when I'm done, when it's fully expressed versus like trying to, you know, stick to a, to a schedule. I love that. so much sense. Yeah. Well, think about therapy sessions. I know in talk therapy, you're kind of into it and they're like, clock's up, time's up. And then you're just in the we'll middle. See you next week, see you next week yeah. right? Bottle, bottle it up, see you next weekend. And uh, and and that, and that happens. Yeah. Unfortunately, it's like there's a time limit. Next thing you know, you're getting traction and then you're left with all these things that you've got to unpack mm -hmm. without a professional, right? Mm -hmm. You know, whenever... Mm -hmm. At your own at your own pace, so it's it's pretty it's pretty interesting um, <laughs> that you mentioned that actually. Yeah. yeah. So Oliver, I mean, you have been called the spiritual activator by I believe your wife coined the term. Yes. And yep, that's yep. how so many people know you. I bet people know you first as spiritual activator before they even know you as mm -hmm. Oliver. And so I'm kind of curious to know. Let's go back in time. And when did your spirituality become activated? How did you become aware and recognize your own gifts? What really pushed you onto the spiritual path? Um, it's actually, it's funny because writing this book, I had to dig deep and like revisit and put patterns together. I mean, I grew up in a, um, very strict Catholic Filipino household and, you know, and it was, although 
we never really discussed energy. It was always the undertone mm-hmm. in the culture. There was always people that were medicine people. Like, you know, if somebody got sick, they go to the medicine man or woman, mm-hmm. right? And there's all these beliefs and all these practices. So it was just like an undertone. And uh, and I grew up a little bit more um, rebellious, like, like you know, and, and very like into like, you know, the grunge era, like, you know, um, <laughs> rock, metal. And nice. I was just like, screw this. I mean, this is like, it, it, it never really clicked, but it was always a theme mm. that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And I, I never really um, thought of it till I was writing the book that it was always a constant. It was always there. And I remember... Um, I moved to the United States when I was 18, my entire family moved and I was, and I was like, like re- literally rock bottom. Like, you know, um, in terms of like, I had a band, you know, girlfriend, like my whole life plan in the Philippines. And then my parents are like, we're going to the United States. I'm like, oh shoot. Right. <laughs> so um, that was a hard one for me. And, and being rebellious by nature, I didn't follow the traditional path mm-hmm. that everybody, you know, in our family, like we're doctors and lawyers. I'm yeah. like, screw it. I'm just gonna, I'm going to, I'm going to make money online. I'm going to be an internet entrepreneur. So I think that's when my journey began. It's close to 20 years ago is I ventured off um, trying to be successful online. And uh, and I did it. And I remember one thing that, that I had going for me was I was growth oriented. You know, I would find a way. I'd figured it out. And I remember um, there were times to where my business was stalled and I was trying to get to the next level. Nothing would work. And I would put more hours in. And the more hours I put in, it's like, an inch of growth and it was so slow. And I remember one of uh, my earlier um, uh, mentors, she was like, have you, you know, have you tried energy healing? Cause you mm. might have blocks. Right? So she introduced that concept to me. I've never heard of it. Mm-hmm. I never knew what, and back then, like, you know, law of attraction, um, I, I think was barely even out, yeah. you know, spirituality, you know, shockers, all those things weren't mainstream. Yeah. So for me, I'm like, what is this world? This is crazy. Right. Um, but I was open-minded. I tried it and I got a, an energy clearing from a healer in Australia. And I remember that was the turning point for me because I was so skeptical. I'm like, I'm, I'm right. still to this day, very left brain, skeptical, show me the miracles kind of person. And it's, it's gotten better over time. Mm-hmm. But I remember he was like, you've got abundance blocks. It's within you. And that's the reason why you're not making money. And I thought it was a load of crap, but I still <laughs> did it. I was like, okay, let me just do it. Right. Um, not knowing that it doesn't matter if I'm skeptical if I'm open and I do the and I, I do the work, I set an intention. The the healing happens on a soul level, not not the mind. The mind yes. is not a prerequisite to be able to heal. Mm-hmm. You can be skeptical all the way through, and you can still get what you want, right? Um, so oh, I didn't I get love it that. back then. But um, he did a clearing on me, and he's like, you know, in the next you know few weeks, you'll have a lot of abundance. And true enough, like four to five weeks in, I made more in a day. I saw that entire year, yeah. and I was like, holy crap. What is this energy thing? Is it like I, I gotta figure this out? If this is what can happen in one session, then I've got it all wrong. And that was that was the dangling carrot mm. put in front of me to like like really dive deep into the world of energy, which I knew nothing about, mm. um, and really pursue it. You know, mm. I'm just so curious. So obviously, as a skeptic, I was the same way. I went into the session. I didn't experience exactly what you did, but you went in and you came out. Did you actually? feel different you know what zero i was i was actually really annoyed because i was i was really <laughs> i was really hangry and all i could and i was like i have no visions i'm not feeling anything yeah any, why anything. i pay for that <laughs> what is this guy doing like this guy wearing white waving a crystal <laughs> making some sounds this sage like smelled like really horrible i've never smelled before I'm like, this is just like a horrible experience and and then midway through i thought i was 
you know, really getting something, but it was my, my stomach grumbling because I was super hungry. And I was like, all right, this, this guy has just got to, this guy has just got to wrap it up. Right. right? Um, so yeah, it was like, for me, it was a non-event. It was, it was not, because some people, they go through healing sessions and it's like a, you know, IMAX 3D experience. Totally. They see things. And, and I was not that, right. Mm. I was more of a, um, um, was what I call an accumulation accumulation shifter to where there's lag time to where it doesn't really happen Ooh. in that moment, but throughout the day, throughout the dreams, throughout the next few weeks, it kind of like slowly kind of like unravels and builds up. Mm. And it's a non-event when it happens at the beginning. So I fell into that category of like non-event event. Right. Mm. Um, and when I look back, I'm like, holy crap. Like in those four to five weeks, so many different things happened that I thought were unrelated like people out of my life, new people into my life, like purging, mm. releasing, clearing, healing that I thought this thing never happened beforehand. And now it's all of a sudden happening. Mm. And when it's done, then abundance showed up after I did that whole like cycle. So that kind of gave me a little bit of a context of how energy works to where it may not be now. It might be a three week process, six week process of you going through everything. And once it's done, there is like, you know, there's a pot of gold at the end of that rainbow, right? So I just had to expand the time frame in which I was looking at things and not like, you know, expect for things to be like right now in the moment and be a little right. bit more longer term, if you will. Yeah. Mm, I love that concept because lately I've been kind of trying to tune into what spirit sees. The question I always yeah. ask myself is, how does spirit see this? And I feel like spirit has all of these layers that, like you said, we can't see. I had this concept of like golden threads that kind of tie together these experiences that, again, like you said, in the 3D world, we're thinking nothing's happening, but everything's happening just in the background. Oh, yeah. So I love how you and explain it's that. And it's, slow, and it's slower too, because the thing is energy moves fast, right? Mm. It moves faster than speed of light. So in that session, in the, on an energetic level, the healing was done. Mm. Everything I needed to release was done. Everything was done. But here's the thing: in this 3D world, it's a lot slower because mm. those thoughts, density. Those, those, yeah, the energy is connected to what thoughts, emotions, traumatic events, people, situations. So now that that's released, it takes time for that to kind of unfold because it travels slower in, in 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 this in this realm. So that's why it's like so slow, and that's the, that's why I call it the principle of lag time, mm. right? To where when you're doing a healing, a lot of times you've made the jump. You are going wow. to land. You know, so the jump's already there. So you've done it. There's nothing you can do to not make the jump. It's just that when will you land? Is it going to be a day? Is it going to be a week? Is it going to be three weeks because of the principle of lag time to where it's slower here versus the energetic, you know, the energetic um, when it happens quickly. Right. And that makes sense, you know, when we call in law of attraction and law of assumption because these really ask us to assume the energy of our wish is fulfilled, right? But then yeah. there there is some physical time space that needs to occur before you start to see the reality reflect back to you. And so it really it really does all start with energy. You can't you kind of can't get there without aligning with the energy first. Mm. Absolutely. I mean and there's time and this this thing is like, yeah, I made that more in a day than an entire year, but guess what? In two months I lost all of it. Right. Right. Oh. Because and, and it's the same thing with lottery winners. Like they win and then they did a study on them afterwards, but in five or 10 years, they're in a worse financial situation than they were before they won. Totally. Right. Which shows you two things. You can manifest what you want without having to believe it. Mm. Because manifestation, manifestation at the highest levels happens an, on an intention level. Yeah. But when you, but for me, what I, what I realized looking back is my thoughts and my emotions weren't aligned to it. 
So it was used to this level of income instead of what I got. So over time, through my own creation, through my own thoughts and beliefs, I manifested, you know, my, what my wife calls counter manifesting the opposite. Mm-hmm. But it was still me doing it. It was some external force. It, were, it was my conscious or unconscious thoughts, programming beliefs or rules around money and abundance and how fast it can come and how much I'm worthy that were getting rid of it. But it still came. So after I learned that, I'm like, shoot, I'm going to work on energetically. And while I have it, I'm going to work on rewiring my mind and emotions so I get to keep it. Yeah. Right? yeah. But, but what, that, what that showed me is that you don't need to be fully on board mentally and emotionally for it to come in your life, for you to keep it, sure. But for it to come, if you're doing it in, in an energy basis, like, you know, it's you can do it even if you're so skeptical. I love this so much because actually one of my mantras in the past year has been, even when I haven't believed in myself, things have happened. Mm-hmm. Because of I course. like this idea of how you said your your soul is on board, right? Your expansion's on board. Mm-hmm. The energy healing is taking place. Your mind doesn't have to be on board. Yeah. And I think yeah. that this is actually, this is so such a revelation because people will feel stressed that they don't believe in the thing yet. Yes. Um, wow. Like even recently, Gina and I, we've been talking about, you know, growing our, our community and our platform. And there's been this like part in my mind that's like, how are we going to do that though? Like, wh- <laughs> like wh- how are we going to expand? Like, what are we going to find all the time? And you actually have been, Gina, tuning into the soul par- portion of this. And you've been like, it doesn't even matter. Like, you don't have to know that. And it's mm-hmm. so true. You really don't have to know that. And you just have to be so divorced from the how. Like as soon as I get into the how, I know I'm in fear, I'm in doubt, I'm in my mind again. And oh, it's just so hard to shake though. (laughs) Yeah. And a lot of it is a vibrational based information because in my experience, certain answers come at certain vibrations. And if you're in a lower fear-based uncertain, then you're going to get the humanistic answers, but that's not what's going to move the needle. The ones that move the needle come at a higher vibration. They're divinely guided. And a lot of times you don't get 10,000 steps. You get the one step yes. that moves everything. Yes. Right. And that's what I, that's and every single time this has happened to me in the past. Um, there was a time where I would start four or five businesses every single year, right? And successfully, and some were duds, but what ended up happening was there were some businesses that I spent a lot of time thinking about how to strategize and using my brain, planning it out. And you know how that goes. Like yep. nothing ever goes to plan <laughs> yeah. logically. Yeah. And it f- falls flat. And, you know, and the ego is like, oh, let me try more. Maybe I should do more. Maybe I should, maybe I should put more hours in. Maybe I didn't try oh, yeah. hard enough. And then the next thing you know, more hours, more effort does not equate to more results. It's just <sighs> for me, it equated to more heartbreak and pain because I'm like, oh my gosh, nothing's working. Right. And then I get pissed. Yeah. And back then I would stop and I'll be like, this is crazy. And I'll take a few days off or whatever. And in those moments of letting go, like I get this crazy idea that comes. I know. I'm out of nowhere. And I'm like, oh, it's too crazy. I don't know. I don't know. But I, I've trained myself to where like, if I have these divine um, nudges, like, you know, I'm going to go for it. So I've got this rule that I go for it within same day or 24 hours max. And I do. And, and, I do, and it takes off 10 times more than the one I planned for. Mm. And it takes tremendous, like crazy geometric growth. And I'm like, this is crazy. So after seeing that happen countless times in, in my life to where the, the gold is the, the, the vibration that you're on and the, the next step that you get from there, that's really what matters. Then I've, I've lived in a state of divine synchronicity and surrender of like, you know what? I'm just going to wait for these signs. And every single time yeah. I try to push it's slow. Every time I surrender and let go, something comes, I follow that. It's super fast. Yeah. So 
seeing that, I, I my logical mind really can't argue because it, it's put together the patterns and it's like, all right, I, I guess we don't know what we don't know. Well, what we do know is that this doesn't work, but if you do it, it works. So at least let's trust in that pattern. Mm, you know? Like there's been enough evidence that has built up for your mind. Now it understands. Because I do feel like there's like the mind and the spirit speak different languages. Like, but the spirit can understand the mind, but the mind can't understand the spirit. And so whenever we're asking questions like, what do I do and why and how? I've noticed the same thing as you, Oliver, that as soon as I'm aware that I'm asking all those questions, I'm like, I'm asking the wrong question. And I know I just need to basically shut up. <laughs> And then just wait and just wait because you can't solve a problem from the frequency of the problem. And so many of us stay down there looking like, where is the answer? Where is the answer? But the answer isn't there. <laughs> we really do have yeah, to turn and, out of and, that. Yeah. And and it's, and it, again, it's a, a way to do it. It's just not the fastest way and the path of least suffering yeah. in my mind. Mm. Right. Because if I look at the mind, it's not it, it's not qualified to predict the future. Yeah, not. that's not what the mind. That's not what the mind is designed for. I mean, it's great for if you look at it. Our minds are the most primitive parts of us. I mean, it's like in a hunter gatherer day to survive and survive. Like you know, survival and replication is the the the, um, the the pretty much the goal of the mind, and to get you out of pain and to not and to protect you for you to stay alive. Mm. So the mind tries to keep us alive via you know via safety. Mm-hmm. Are we going to be rejected? Are going are we going to be um, an outcast are we going to be you know are we going to be safe like you know and it's still it's still really reacting a lot of times as if a saber you know a saber-toothed tiger is coming at us yeah. with things that aren't the, the situation has changed but the response is still the same mm-hmm. right so in my mind it the mind's program to look at patterns for safety and it looks at the past a lot yeah it learns from patterns it learns from the past so if you go with your mind you're going to repeat the past at best. Yeah. Right. But it's not the solution for creating a wild and amazing and a blissful and abundant future. Mm, totally. If it doesn't, if it, it's not the con, it's, it doesn't have a paradigm for it yet. So that comes from our higher selves mm. our divine guidance. And that comes from intuition mm. that guides us to create that which hasn't been seen or done or you know, conceived in the mind yet mm. versus the mind's always looking at patterns of the past. Therefore, I feel like we can never really monumentally grow and create a radically different future from the mind. Yeah. I almost feel like anything that you can predict with the mind, you're really capping yourself. Yeah. Absolutely. Because, because yeah. Limitation. Totally. Yeah. And um, it's been so I, – I just find that this past year has been such an incredible year for me and my conditioning. It's been like every single experience has been revealing to me more and more conditioning. And um, kind of going back to what you were saying about this, um, whenever I let go and surrender, that's when the big idea comes. But I think as someone growing a business and for anyone who's just you know working – it's so hard to break up with the mind that has been conditioned that tells them, but I need to work harder or I need to, like you said, put in more hours, right? Like I've been noticing that pattern within myself. Anytime I feel like stressed or I feel self-doubt, I just want to go back to that pattern so bad. It's like, but this is the way that I guaranteed my quote unquote success before. Mm -hmm. So I keep going back to that. But then every time I do that, I really have been noticing that I limit myself and I just create more blockages. Like I'm not allowing what is meant to come in to come through. Mm. Yeah. And a lot of the times, don't get me wrong. If something comes through and it's, and it's uh, divinely guided, I will like, I will pour every waking hour into it. 
because I'm passionate about it. Right. It's my purpose. And when you're passionate about it, it doesn't feel like work. So for me, you know, 16, 18 hour work days for me are purpose-driven days. If I'm given a vision and a mission and I'm on it, right. right? But the things that I focus on are the things that move the needle or just to pass, it would just be anything and anything. And it, the frustration would come to where like the results won't match the, the energy that I put into it because mm. I was focusing on the wrong thing because I was focusing on the thing that my mind told me to focus on yes. instead of the thing that I was guided to. So the hard work, I mean, it, it, it becomes pleasurable when it's aligned with um, your strengths and divine guidance and you enjoy it and you're passionate about it. It's, it's, it's when you're doing things that aren't exciting to your soul that it feels like work, you know, mm. at least for me. A hundred percent. I mean, this is this is exactly what I've been going through this year where I don't have trouble working quote unquote hard or like you said, putting in those 16, 18 hour days, whatever, if if the thing is lighting me up. And mm-hmm. I know that I'm working on the wrong thing when all of a sudden it starts to feel really strenuous. But that yeah. really conflicts with like my old conditioned beliefs that like it's supposed to be hard or like, right. you know, building a business is hard work or like making a lot of money is hard work. And so sometimes I'm like, am I, am I supposed to be suffering right now? And like just getting <laughs> through this. And uh, I feel like the more and more I develop on my journey, I'm learning that no, that's not what I'm supposed to be doing. But I've had to accept that other people around me will not understand. Like yeah. I have had people recently around me say like, it, you're like, I don't know what you expect. It's not going to be easy. And I'm like, that kind of conflicts with like my spiritual belief that like if I am connected to it though, like it will feel easy. Mm, And so I think that can be really confusing for people who think they need to work really hard to build a business. But to be honest, in the past year, like especially even our podcast, it was, it was like the the easiest easiest thing. It was the easiest thing, which is so weird. I mean, what's easy when you love doing it, right? Yeah. When you, when you're enjoying something, it doesn't feel like work. Um, And for me, it's like, okay, I mean, it's, Cause I, you know, I, I, like before I was spiritual activator, I was so into business. I, you know, I, it was in a way a business activator, if you look at it that way, mm. but it is when someone's starting a business, yeah, it's hard at the beginning because like majority of businesses fail within the first five years. Yeah. Right. Right. And that is because they don't know their business model. They don't know their audience. They don't know what works. They don't know what gets traction. So the very beginning is like, it feels like you're throwing spaghetti in the wall and seeing what sticks. Mm-hmm. Right. But the thing is when you find what sticks, when you find your audience who you want to serve deeply and you've got a, a good core offering and you know your distribution channels that work, right? And oh, there's no more unknowns. You know all the known things. Then it becomes easy mm-hmm. because now you know when you, you know, when you put this effort in, you get monumental results from it. Mm-hmm. And, then, and, then you, and, you, and then as you grow, you keep doing the things that excite you, that you love and all the other things you know, eventually build a team around it, but it gets easier. But a lot of people don't put the work in at the beginning um, and don't realize it is at the beginning. It is a game of figuring out what works and what doesn't Mm. and having to reinvent yourself. And that's why for me, business is a spiritual game because in Mm. order to get to that level, you've got to evolve. And what got you to six figures won't get you to seven. And what gets you to seven won't get you to eight and beyond. It's a very different game to where, you can't just do more of what you did at six years to get a seven. You'll burn yourself out. Mm. You'll have to completely redefine the way you look at yourself, at the business, at what you're doing to get to the next level. And the next level, what I've learned is always way simpler than the previous one. It's just that you can't, you just have to upgrade your identity mm. and your focus and what you're doing to get to the next level. But it's simple. It's easy. And then and at every level needs to jump. You just become a different, you know, person that you step into you step in more of 
you know, an upgraded version of you. And and if people get that, that business is a spiritual game, they would thrive. It's, it is a lot of people take the approach to business that they would do, you know, um, working nine to five to where I'm just going to do this yeah. and do more. And that works at a certain level. Yeah, it, it does. But it stops working once you pa- get get past certain levels. And I, I think that's the biggest thing is like it requires you to be growth oriented to continue to progress in a uh, in, in a quick manner in my experience. Yeah. I feel like everything you just said could vary. If you just took the word business out and just put your own spiritual journey, it's the yeah. same. That's why our podcast is called Spiraling Higher because you're literally continuously spiraling up. And what worked mm-hmm. at a level last year of what worked for you on your spiritual journey is not going to work maybe here because no, you're at this elevated yes. level. And actually, I wanted to kind of touch on that because I feel like a lot of people in our community, even at a retreat, everyone's looking for their purpose. Everyone's yeah. looking for their gifts. What am I here and meant to do? And sometimes like our ego will use that against us, you know, mm-hmm. and it makes us believe that we're not living our life until we get there, until I'm doing yep. my purpose. So what do you say to people who are kind of stuck in that paradigm? Well, I mean, I get why that happens. Yeah. Like, you know, you've got this whole big, external pressure of like your purpose is like you know your purpose work it's what you were born to do and you're like holy shoot i want to get it perfect if it's what i'm born to do then i want to screw it up Mm. is the typical train of thought well what i realized is that if you look at people who do their purpose work it's the big thing sometimes they never knew what the big thing was starting out Mm. they just got started you know and and what ends up happening if you look at their life as a culmination of like you just look at their entire life their entire life is their message. Mm. Who they were is their purpose. It's not what they do, but who they were, mm-hmm, right? Yeah. And a lot of the times it's like, you do a lot of things and all of them is purpose work. Somebody like, for example, like I really saw the power of this when um, there was one gal that was in a, one of our events and I didn't know her full story, but you know, a year after she was um, a part of our event, she told me like, you know what? I you know, don't think I've ever told you this, but um, I was on, she was ready to commit suicide mm. and she saw a random video of me on Facebook. <laughs> random. That's what, that's what stopped her. And I was like, wait, what video is this? Right. Cause I'm like, I'm just used to like, as the video comes, ideas come, I just say it. Right. And my, my goal is like, I wanted to be potent. Mm. I wanted to, I wanted to, you know, impact somebody who's, who's watching it in the way it's supposed to. Right. So when I realized it, I'm like, holy crap, like, I don't even remember that video. Mm-hmm. I probably wasn't even thinking, oh, it was my big purpose work to do this video. I totally. just like, okay, I'm inspired. I'll share it. But it saved a life. Right. Right. So how, who am I to judge purpose work when I don't know what I do, who it affects? Right. Right. And, and, and that's the biggest thing is you'll never know. And it's not for some people, you might think it has to be a grand thing. But. We had this gal who was, um, you know, she was, uh, you know, uh, when when my son was born, she was his his first nanny, and um, I didn't know much of her story, but through time, I I did, and I and um, and she, you know, I found out that she's been through the toughest and toughest of of life, of like, mom was an alcoholic, and when she was seven with her kids, left, so she was like for two weeks, like you know, raising her her um her her um brothers and sisters until you know CPS came and all those different things, but it's just like whatever could happen in life that was wrong or bad or suffering happened to her. But I'm like, it doesn't make sense because you're a loving person now. 
you got a big heart. You know, you know, she was like a or just an emergency nurse and saved a lot of lives. And I'm like, it doesn't add up. Like you were in this trajectory and life was just like literally beating you down. Mm-hmm. And how do you turn out to be this person? Right. And true enough, like, you know, she um she shared a story about when she was a kid, she was um in this um I forget if it's an amusement park or the mall, but she saw one of those carousels. Mm-hmm. You know, her kids writing, and she was just looking at it, and she wanted to write it, but she didn't have money. Mm. She was just looking at it, and it was like, like pretty much being envious of the kids that are there, wishing that she had it, and uh, mm-hmm. she was there. And then out of nowhere, this random guy just walks past by, didn't even look at her, put some quarters in there, walked away, and that was the moment that changed her life. Oh my god! Because she was like, "Wow, if a stranger can care about me and not know me, then there's some good in the world." Mm. And that shifted her to where, like, I want to do that for other people, right? But if you think about that, if you look at that for a second, you pause and you dissect it. In that person's mind, um, did he think it was purpose work that he was doing? Did he even know that it would affect someone's life that deeply? Or is it just one of the things that you do it and you're like, all right, right? And the thing is, we never know the ripple effect of our actions. Your smile can save a life. Mm. Like you, you showing up, you sharing your story, you being seen can do that and you'll never know what it is because you never get full feedback and i think that's one of the the greatest you know mysteries and blessings in life is we never know the ripple effect that we cause but if i look at purpose work it's not defined by you you sell these amount of books and you have this much many reach and all different things it could be like you know, a mom to a daughter or a son loving them unconditionally it can be a smile it can be an act of kindness it can be shining your light it can be you know it can be you choosing to work on yourself. And because of that, your energetic vibrations higher and anybody you interact with that day gets lifted up without even you knowing it. It can be how you live your life. Not really the big, you know, flashy things that we try to kind of compare and benchmark ourselves with. It can literally be how we live our life and how we show up daily. I think, oh, I love that. That actually <sighs> wow. reminds me a lot of, I think, I think we said that, Gina, the retreat. The Tony Robbins story? No, just about how like your purpose, oh. well, yes, but also that your purpose really is who you're being. Yeah. It's not what you're doing, doing because what you're doing is arbitrary. I feel like I've done so many things, right? And you've done so many things, Oliver and Gina too, but it was who you were being throughout that journey is what impacted people. It, it wasn't even what you actually did physically. Yeah. It was yeah. more like how you did it. And so I love, mm. I love that you shared that. That's so beautiful because I think a lot of people feel like, what's my purpose? And like, but when they ask that, what they're really saying is, what do I do instead of who do I want to be? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think once you realize that purpose work is who you are on a daily basis, doesn't matter if it's big or small, it's just, are you in your essence? Are you trying to shine your light? Are you like, you know, trying to spread love? Are you, you know, and if you are operating in your nature, that is your purpose. Your purpose is you came here with a gift to share, with a message to share, or with an energy to share. And as long as you're returning back to your authentic self and energy and you're staying true to you, you're doing more purpose work than you think or know or can conceive that you're doing. Mm. Oh, I love the way that you explain that so, so much. I think that's going to help a lot of people. Um, And kind of on that same thread, I think when you're on this journey and, you know, sometimes there's an element of, I know better than to be in this vibration. You know, sometimes yeah. we're on this journey, we're getting into the high vibe, we're connecting with ourselves. And and so sometimes we then use 
things like meditation or breath work or whatever as a means to kind of get back to where we were before, you know, and sometimes and that's the level of attachment. And I know when we go into meditation to find an answer, it blocks the answer because you're doing it to get something. And so I would love to hear your um, your explanation of that and how we can release that need to kind of get back to where we were and just really be patient and surrender and not have a timeline of yeah. when it should come. And a lot of it is timing as well, yeah. right? Um, is when you're supposed to have that information. But sometimes when you're dreaming, you know, dreams that you're sleeping, you're getting a lot of downloads. Yeah. And you wake up the next day and you're tired. You don't know what those downloads are. And then three days later, you're in a car in rush hour traffic. And then the download becomes available because it's time. Mm. Right. And the way I look at it is like divine time is always at play. It's kind of like if you look at a flower that's going to bloom, if you force it to bloom day one or expect it to bloom day one, it's going to be a failure. But all you can do is provide the right elements, sunlight, like, you know, the nutrients, you know, the rain, wind, whatever it is that, that, that helps. And in its own divine timing, it will blossom, mm. right? But there's that divine time that um, we don't factor in, mm-hmm. right? So the thing is, yeah, do I want to know some answers? Sure. Do I know it's a process? Absolutely. Is what's in my control surrender and making sure I have the right elements and environment and conditions around me? Yes. And when it's time, it comes. But a lot of times, the answers that we want, we can't even handle vibrationally or energetically. Mm-hmm. So we have to build to it. And that's a big thing is like, you know, a lot of times when I'm stuck in the business and we're trying to reach more people, serve more people and, you know, and, and, um, and we're in a mission to like really raise a planetary vibration, you know, higher when we're stuck in the humanistic things, we take a break and we're like, Hmm, what's the sole lesson here? Mm-hmm. And every single time, like, and, and it might be like, if it's a big thing we might even take a day or two and really go unplug somewhere mm-hmm. right without technology and just in nature and like you know, and just like be with our family and and really just connect and in those times like you know typically a lesson will come that has what seems like nothing to do with your business mm-hmm. it's like speaking your truth shining your light forgiving loving yourself i mean it's like these like like seemingly cheesy simple lessons right that you're like really this is the this is the basic how is this related mm-hmm. and when we dive deep into that automatically the floodgates open in purpose work and business like never before and all of a sudden everything that lost traction or we're waiting for all happens in a short amount of time because it was never really like the it was never really you know just the business stuff it was vibration based and by doing the soul work and unlocked the vibration to where everything that we wanted was already there. Right. So for, for me, I've seen that again, countless times just showed me that like, really the spiritual work isn't, it is the work regardless of what you want, whether it's business, love, clarity, physical wellness, it's the spiritual work. It's the soul work. And it's the only work in my mind that once you do the one thing and it changes everything. So for me, that's 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 the biggest focus. Because if that's the biggest thing that moves the needle, why focus on anything else? Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, sure, things come up, focus on that, but that's the main priority um, whenever we're doing, you know, any kind of work. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Oliver, I know um your work primarily is about helping people, and your book specifically is about helping people clear these energetic blockages. Yeah. Right. And so how does someone become aware, number one, that they have energetic blockages? But then number two, and this is really a question for me, <laughs> and I'm sure so many other people, but 
how do you stop getting obsessed with clearing energetic blockages? Because sometimes I I will sense that I have one and then I almost feel that I create more in the process of trying to clear them. Do you Mm -hmm. know what I'm saying? It's like, oh no, like I have this block and then like that becomes like a negative thought and like gets lodged in my body and then I start to experience negative emotion like anxiety or stress and I'm like, oh no, I'm supposed to be clearing the blockages. But I want to be able to help people understand how can we become aware of blockages and allow them to subside or dissolve consciously without adding more because I think that there's a lot of what I call spiritual perfectionism in yeah. this um, in this space where now they're using spirituality as a means to kind of like egoically bolster themselves. And so mm-hmm. I want to be able to use these practices and have you explain to us how we can do that in a very surrendering, egoless way. Mm. Yeah. Well, the way I look at it is we're not meant to heal for the rest of our lives, mm. right? Healing is a phase mm. the way I look at it. Because we come here whole, connected, gifted, perfect. And along the way, life happens, you know, and the blocks are either environmental or traumatic events in your life or gestational while you're in the womb or generational pass down. But it doesn't matter because everybody's got a block, right? But if you look at people that really change the world, they're not defined by their human blocks. Because at any given moment, we've got access to our human story, which is full of pain, guilt, shame, you know, trauma. Everybody's got a human story. Mm-hmm. Everybody. Yes. Well, what everybody does is they focus on that till the day they die and, and they never really truly live, mm. right? Well, what ends up happening is realizing that, hey, we've got a human story, but we've also got a soul story, a divine mm. story where we are limitless. We have a lot of support. When our human story, we're limited. In our divine story, we're limitless. And that's a frequency, a vibration away. So for me, yeah. Do I have limitations and all those different things on a daily basis in my human story? Sure. When I'm serving on stage, when I'm helping people, I have some somewhere higher where those don't exist. Yeah. And 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 for me, I look at it as a vibration game, mm. to where some vibrations just don't have the blocks that they exist. Mm. It's kind of like you're watching, you know, a horror Halloween channel, right? Everything on that channel is designed to produce fear. Mm-hmm. Everything. If you're looking for moments of laughter and 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 and, and love in that channel. It's an upstream, like you know, going against the you know the the the, the um, current way. You're you're. It, it's easier to change the channel than to expect something that's oh, not in that channel. I love in that, that. channel to produce that. So instead of what most people do is like they're in there and they're trying to like oh I, I don't want I don't want to feel fear and all different things. You're in that channel. Change the channel completely where it doesn't even exist because in a in a um and in a world right? To where it's all frequency. It's, there's so many different outcomes that we can have um, in our lives. And it's a free will universe. Like for me, it's easier to be able to just go higher versus trying to fix everything. And I've seen this to where a lot of people, when they realize that healing is just a phase, it's not a lifestyle. What really, what really happens after you heal is you start to thrive. Mm, And when you thrive, right? Um, what ends up happening is you know, some people stay there longer because they're like, shoot, I've been beat down all my life and I just want to receive stuff. And I'm great. No judgment on that. But what ends up happening is when you're thriving, you're not in healing, you're in thriving, which is another phase. Um, it gets to a point to where it feels a little bit empty mm-hmm. uh, and, you, and you seek fulfillment and meaning. It's why you go do your purpose work and you're, and you're there to, to really give back, right? But healing is not Healing is just a way for you to return back to yourself. To yourself. So you can, so that, and that's when life 
truly begins. It's not when it ends, which a lot of people mm. paint it like, hey, work till you're 16, 70, retired, and you can travel and have fun. Like people mm. are, you're, ending up, you're, you're trying to end up thriving, which never really happens. Because like, how many people do you know that get to that retirement space and they're like, holy crap, I still, there's not what I pictured. There is yeah. still stress and there's still not enough money. And I'm, you know, and then, and then what, it, what it end up happen, ends up happening is they get to the rocking, uh, you know, chair moment. And that's when they start thinking about purpose because they're like, the mortality kicks in. They're like, ooh, let me think about purpose work, right? And it feels forced and inauthentic at that phase versus my, my, my role is like, shoot, get all the healing done. Whether it's in a few months, in a year, get it done. Two years, just jump in, get it done, know yourself, and 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 really bring yourself to a place of being whole and healed, and um and and then from there on, spend the rest of your life thriving and giving back because that's where I feel like you have it all. Mm. Like you know, you're you're receiving stuff and you're helping and you feel good and you're not thinking about your story. Your your, your human story will feel like a past life mm-hmm. when you when you when you flip oh. the lenses and realize that the healing phase is not meant to be, even though it's glorified as such, it's not meant to be, that's your, your entire life. And I think that's the, the limiting belief that a lot of people that get into spirituality think is like, ooh, I gotta go heal, I gotta go heal. So they do things that escape, you know, mm. they escape to these high vibrations and, and they think that that's where the solution is. No, that's where we came from. That's who we are. Our goal is to remember that and bring in the here and now and live life with that frequency, not escape to where, we were from. I know it, it feels good, but we're we're spiritual beings here to ex- co- coexist in this world of division and duality, and we're supposed to bring light in areas where there's darkness and and bring healing to where it's needed, and that's our purpose of work. But we have to realize that we've got to be a master of both worlds, right? The higher level worlds where we where we exist energetically, and the master of this human realm where. You know, we're bringing more of our essence here where it's it doesn't exist much. That mm. makes sense. Yes. Oh my gosh, this is actually colliding with one of my paradigms. This is so interesting, and I and I love thought provoking conversations like this that really force me to think and perceive things differently. Because obviously, our, our stories and how we think of our stories perceive how we experience reality. But um, what it sounds like you're saying, and I, this is just blowing my mind, right? That you're you're saying that we heal through things like our old shame, pain, guilt, whatever, and that's part of our human story. But we can literally move past that and live in a completely different vibrational state. But I think that that's just so interesting because that conflicts with my belief currently, which could change, and it is is actually in the process of being changed and challenged right now. Which is that we kind of re these things revisit us, but just at different levels of consciousness, which would actually suggest that healing is like ongoing. And so I actually just want to talk more about this because I think there's there's two different ideologies here, right? Which is one, that healing is ongoing. This is something that you will continue to uncover and, and sort of peel back the layers of this ever, you know, present onion. And then yeah. you're having this idea, which is that, no, this is actually something you can actually move past and heal and no longer live from or activate ever again. Am I, am I correct? Yeah. And the way I look at it is, so you're either healing, right? Based on changing vibrations and frequencies or healing in the 3D humanistic way. And the, and, and the human way of healing, the way I look at it is people are like, let me shift all my limiting beliefs, all my traumas, all those different things. But the problem that I see with that 
is that I read a study um, several years ago, and it was in the scientific um, community, that at any given second, we're exposed to like 20 or 40,000 pieces of information and data, whether it's EMFs, ELFs, external energy, radio, microwaves, 20 to 40,000 any second, right? And we're, our logical mind's only capturing 20 to 40 of them. So 0. 0.00001 is being captured. 99.99%, we don't even know. And that's per, that's just in a second. And that's just us. It's not even factoring in past, present, future. It doesn't, it doesn't factor in several billion people on the planet. That's just us. Mm-hmm. So how are we supposed to fully heal when we have 0.0001% captured into our mind? That means the things that are traumatic, the things that are limiting beliefs, the things that are disempowering us is in our unconscious awareness. So mm-hmm. we don't even know that we don't even know. So if you even make a dent at doing 100%, which people have us, you know, they think, oh, the things that they know, you spend 100% of their time till the rocking chair moment on the 0.001%, it's a losing game. Mm-hmm. You never really get there, right? Because you don't have all the information. Versus if I'm living it through divine synchronicity, I don't have to worry about what's the thing that moves the needle. Because the thing is, even with the things that you know, you don't know if they're branches or the root, right? You could be working at the branches all, all, all your life and they just grow back and it's the same shit, different day. But when you work on the root, it changes everything after that. So the thing is with being so clouded with all that stuff, you can't even tell which one moves the needle that you need to work on, mm-hmm. right? But you don't need to rely on that because when you're, when you're re- relying on science, and a higher power and your higher self to give you the information that you need to work on. And that thing that you work on is a needle mover, right? Then life is very, very different. And that's why when I realized that there's no possible way, I'm like, why do I have 50,000 limiting beliefs that I don't even know of? How long will that take me trying to rewire every single one of them? Right. It's for me, it just didn't make sense on a logical level. This is Oof. blowing my mind. Like this is, this is literally blowing my mind. So what you're saying is you you can't heal that anyways because it's like there's – it's almost like you're trying to heal the known, right? Yep. But you can't even know all of that anyways. Right. And that's why I think this is kind of going – I feel like this conversation has been a lot about how you can just heal on an energetic level without your mind understanding because yeah. it's almost like wanting to heal is like your ego – wanting to know that it changed a limiting belief or something like, Oh, mm. like I changed that belief or like, Oh, I yeah. work through that story. It takes credit because it's predictable. It's, it's, it takes credit and knows the pattern. Oh. Well, the thing is it's also a losing game because guess what? It's been proven like, you know, I mean, diving deep into science that the brain can hide stuff from you. The mind can't. Yes. Yeah. If it doesn't think you can handle it, it will put it into a little Pandora's box, compartmentalize it and cut all the paths leading to it. Wow. Right. So, so if it, if if your mind is in charge of how much it thinks you can handle before you spiral down, then it's already ten steps ahead of you. As you're mm. shifting limiting beliefs, you're only being given the things that you it thinks you can be able to handle, right? So it's not so it's even that there's stuff deception going on. But what I realize is like here's the thing: the beauty of energy is your every single thought has an energetic output. Mm-hmm. Every single emotion has an energetic output. Every single decision has an energetic output. Mm-hmm. And every single traumatic event, whether it happened in your lifetime or your, your your mom had it or it was passed on generationally, every single one of those events have an energetic output. And those and those energies, those blocks, they exist in our bodies. So if I'm removing a block in the heart, 
right? That could be that could be connected to 500 limiting beliefs and 30 traumatic events. Right. So for me, it's more efficient to remove that because I get to move because as I remove the heaviness of that energetic block, my vibration rises up, and and then I can experience the same effects of having worked on 500 limiting beliefs, but just taking the energetic block away. So that's why for wow. me, I feel like we in a in a place to where time is limited, right? Right. You want to be more efficient. Yeah. What you release and how you release them. Wow, this is honestly blowing my mind because <laughs> because I recently I'm gonna be honest, Oliver. I've been a little bit bogged down by I I've become aware of some like limiting human stories, and I keep trying to like uncover, become aware, like shift that story. And it's honestly been sucking up a lot of my energy. And I've been become and and I've been noticing. Okay, it's not supposed to feel like this, so I probably am approaching this from the wrong lens, but. I almost feel now after this conversation that I just need to get an energy healing and ignore the thoughts because there, I'm not going to change what I'm, what I'm realizing is I'm not going to change thought with thought. Exactly. Like it's like the thought that I'm trying to change it with is the same energy of the thought that's coming up as the quote unquote block. And it's not going to efficiently clear the story. And even if it did, I feel like it would just be my ego deciding it, it wouldn't really be well, cleared. It would just be like, <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm a big believer that there's so many different ways to do something and everything is right for people depending on where they are and what their goals are. Right. Mm-hmm. There's always, I started off with working with the mind and emotion. So I see the power of it, but I've also realized that, Hey, if I work on the energetic level and I'm thinking to myself, okay, abundance won't come and then it comes right. Then I'm at least having what I want. The environment's here. The proof is here. The proof is giving my mind an opposite thing that it thought. And in my mind, it's easier to shift the mind with overwhelming evidence from the environment than trying to talk therapy and be like, oh, I'm abundant. And it's like, no, you're not. Where's the proof? And you're battling. And it doesn't matter if I say I'm abundant 10,000 times a day, right? I will still feel inauthentic in a way because I know if I look at my environment, it's not there. There's no proof. And I, I'll feel like a little bit more of an imposter versus like I do the energetic work. I'm not believing in it. I see it in there, even though I'm skeptical, even though I'm thinking like it might not last, at least it's there. Yeah. And at least that gives me time now because it's feedback to the mind and the mind, the mind gains more confidence with proof. A lot of times external proof, show me proof, show me proof that it works. And it starts building trust once it starts seeing proof. So in order to shift the mind, I go with the environment. And the environment gets affected by energy, right? So I just I just realized that the mind shifts fastest with osmosis. And that's why people that go into these three-day events, your retreats, right, with an environment causes a radical shift in the, in the mind and their identity mm-hmm. because of the environment, right? But in this case, your environment, which is your reality, is affected the, quick, the quickest with energy. So energy shifts into your environment, and then your environment now becomes a predominant thing that causes your mind to shift in a sustainable way because it's it's something that's external. It's not something that you have to kind of filter through your mind to shift the mind. Mm. It's outside of the mind. That's, yeah. putting, that's, that's putting feedback, shift the mind. 
Totally. I used to have this, um, I have a mirror by my bed and um, I used to have this quote that I I need to write it on there again, but the quote was, I've never seen this day before. Mm -hmm. And I had to remind myself of that because it's so easy to live, repeat the same day over and over. Like you are seeing a completely new moment in every moment, but we are often being given the same feedback every day, which kind of is attuned to like same thoughts, like feelings, routine, which is why, like you said, when you switch the environment, your energy can very easily become very different, right? And yeah. through osmosis through other people. And so that's so that's so empowering to realize. So I guess, I, I, I'm assuming that's one of your steps, right? Towards clearing the blockages is to um, shift the environment. Actually, if I mean, you, yeah, tell us. Every, yeah, everything counts. I mean, honestly, the, the environment, the environment helps a lot. Right. And the environment can just be what you're focused on. It can be like, you know, people there, they're like, shoot, Oliver, I can't, I can't change my environment at home. I'm stuck there. Then there's other environments you can create. What are you listening to? What are you focusing on? What podcasts are you listening to? What part of communities are you a part of? Because it is, when it comes to environment, it's all about ratios. So if you're 90% of the time at home uh, and it's negative and 10% of the time you're like spending on things that lift your soul, the ratios aren't in your favor. Right. Mm. But if you want to change it, regardless if you can change your environment or not, then change what you're a part of, what you're focused on, what you're listening to, what you're reading, what you pay attention to. Right. Because even with your with story, like, you know, you're like, shoot, my human story. And there's the thing. And I've done both. Right. And for me, I've seen benefit in both. It just takes so much time and energy of like my human story and this and that. Versus you have a divine story, you have a purpose, or why not focus on building that till it becomes louder than your human story? Mm-hmm. Next thing you know, you've got two stories that are coming head to head, but with the one that you pour attention to wins because it gets your energy, right? Yeah. So rather than trying to redo and dissect a story, which I don't have any infor- all the information on, if it comes, sure, I'll, I'll, I'll do it, but it's more, much more leverage focusing on the one that I want, building that up till it's bigger and louder and more prominent than the human story. And they can both coexist with love. Mm-hmm. In that case, I'm not putting all my eggs into shifting the human story. When I don't have all the pieces of the puzzle, I can now focus my attention on the next chapter, writing that out versus trying to look at the old chapter and trying to find things that have already been written. You know what I mean? Yeah. So for me, it's all creation of what's yet to come versus what's already been done. Yeah. Mm. It's almost like a being obsessed with fixing the human story or like understanding the human story, healing the human story is really just, it's just strengthening. It's just keeping you in the human story. You've got chapters to write that have not been written and you've got the pen. What do you want to create? Right. And it's a very different approach to it because Mm. there's only so much you can do with the past. And I, I think focusing on the future in creation is underrated um, of what the, the potential that's there, you know? Yeah, it's almost like people yeah. are using their pen instead of to write their story. They're going back to edit their old one. But it's like you yeah, can use that Yeah, and there's only so much pen. you can edit because you can't really right. even fully really edit it. I mean, yeah, you can like, like you know, put the comma there, you know, like yeah. period or whatever. But a lot of those have already been written. So a lot of times that's not where you're full. There's not a lot of control there. I mean, yeah. I look at the past for patterns. I look at it to learn lessons. I look at it for gratitude. Mm-hmm. Um, but otherwise, it's like it's all about creation of what's yet to come. That's more exciting, yeah. right? Because we're, we're seeing the past, especially if it's trauma packed. It's not the most exciting thing. You no. create, you kind of cringe at it. But if you're taught that, hey, like you know, success is supposed to be hard. Hey, 
healing is supposed to be painful, then we're doing things that are aligned with our core beliefs. But if you realize like, shoot, like, you know, the best is still yet ahead of me and the past is where I get lessons, where I look for patterns, where I learn, where I'm grateful. And then the past, the past just stays that. And the future is like whatever I wanted to be, you know, then that is another belief in itself. And the thing with beliefs is that sometimes you can't really get full, fully rid of the beliefs as quick as you want. You just mm-hmm. build one belief bigger than the other. Mm. <laughs> That's so huge because I've got to be honest, I've been very obsessed with changing beliefs and believing that I really need to change it and and almost feeling, and I'm sure other people feel this way, frustrated that that belief is still there. Mm -hmm. I'm like, oh, like that belief like won't go away. And like, I know that this belief keeps showing up in my reality, but instead of trying to change it, it's almost like I just need to focus on creating a new one, not necessarily changing the one that I have, but just like acknowledging that, okay, that's like an old form of consciousness that's coming from my human story, but I'm working on this completely new expansive belief and we can just almost leave that one. Although my ego will usually freak out and be like, no, we have to change it, but I need to learn well, how well, to- Here's the thing is we've done this all our, our life. Think about it. When you're going from grade school to high school, are you going to be like, oh, I'm not a grade schooler. I'm not a grade schooler. Or are you like, I'm a high schooler now? Right. It's a new right. state. Same thing. It's like if you're becoming a parent, it's not like, oh, like you know, I'm you know, I'm I'm single. I'm single. It's like I'm a mom. Right. It's a new identity. It's a new chapter. It's a new phase. Mm, right? right. And so we've done this in our lives to where we we have a new reality, a new identity, and when it becomes bigger, then the old one is kind of phased out in a way. It does not apply. Mm. Right. So a lot of the times we've a lot of things we've done multiple times we just didn't realize that that's what we're doing. Yeah. yeah, and actually that came up in our retreat this weekend where a lot of people were talking about how they wanted to grow. And I realized that my kids, you don't make kids grow. They just inherently do that. And so a lot of times when we're trying to grow, it's like it's already happening. But I think we're some just of us stopping are, it. We're stopping it by trying to try to quantify it and trying to intellectualize it. And so I love I love how you said that. That is huge. Oh, my goodness. This is like I'm I'm so mind blown. Um, I was wondering though, would you mind if you are able to? I know your book is about the five steps to clearing the yeah. energetic blockages. Do you mind going into those into detail so that people at home can start beginning to clear their energetic blockages? Yeah, I mean the biggest thing is like again, I mean, it's a lot of things they're simple because they are in a way to where when I look at let's say clearing energy. Right. I mean, there's a lot of ways like you crystals and all those different things, energy healing. But the reality is, even if you don't do any of that, mm-hmm. like we are, we've come to this planet with things that we have natural affinity towards that clear our energy. We just don't, you know, it's just not the sexy version of it. Mm-hmm. Right. It's not just like it doesn't have a technique or whatever. It's just what we naturally love to do. Mm-hmm. So if you think about it, like what are the things that you love growing up that you that you did that you're either not doing anymore? Or you don't do enough. Those mm. those clear energy. For example, my wife. I mean, she. You know, her mom called her. You know, water baby because she liked being in the water. She like. Mm. You know, she like running around barefoot. She like being around animals. Those three things can help. The elements can clear water, grounding with your feet, animals because they help transmute energy. Being in sunlight for some people or being in the fire. Like, you know, the elements help clear, right? And then and then she was very active. So she loves. You know. You know. Right now, she loves dancing. She loves working out yoga and if you think about it it might just seem like okay those are like non-spiritual activities but when you realize 
that a lot of times people feel fatigued or feel anxious or feel overwhelmed or they, they or they feel tired because there's a lot of energy that they're experiencing and it, it's not released. So it's a pressure cooker effect. Your adrenals get fatigued, you get tired, you're you're irritable because you have so much energy, you don't know what to do with it. Movement releases that energy and allows energy to flow. Mm-hmm. But, with, but, but when you understand that, you realize, holy shoot, I could be dancing, I could be working out, and it's an energy and it's helping me clear my energy. But again, those are the things that we naturally gravitate towards and we don't put under a spiritual umbrella, but it has spiritual benefits to it. Mm-hmm. Right. For me, um, like you know, for me it's 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 salt bath. Right. Or it is um, spending time with my son because love and connection at times when you're doing things that you love, it puts you in a frequency to where anything yeah. that's underneath that, if it, you know, it just doesn't exist in that higher frequency. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, for some people, it's alone time. When they're alone, they're not taking on other people's energies all the time. So now they have this moment where they're just in their space, they're clearing their energy, they're not being bogged down, they're higher. So mm-hmm. it can be that. I mean, um, music. Um, it could be like um, helping somebody out, acts of kindness. So there's different ways, but I've seen a lot of people, if they even never do anything that's spiritual in nature, all they did was look at their childhood or look at look at clues in your life. When you are the most stressed, when you are the most super tired and you're drained and what do you do in those moments that you know, like typically you got to push to do and you're like, I have to do this. And then you're like, oh, I feel better. Mm. Those things are clues as to what naturally clears our energy that we already love doing, that we know works. But for some reason, we've got mental rules around when we can do them, how often we can do them. Mm. And, you know, and, and a lot of times we wait, we wait till we're empty or rock yeah. bottom before we even attempt because you might think you're selfish by doing them daily or multiple times a day. Mm. Yeah, that's so true. I, I've noticed for me, one of the things that makes me feel the most connected, most cleared is music and dance. And um, it's so funny. I was talking about this with my Ayurvedic practitioner, actually, but she was asking me recently, how's your inner child? And I was like, she's uh, she's not doing too good. <laughs> and then she actually asked me, she was like, when's the last time you, you danced and um, listened to music? And I was like, oh, I don't know when the last time I listened to music was. It's like I get in these weird ruts where I just forget music exists. It's so strange. And I won't listen to music for almost a week at times. And then all of a sudden I'll hear a song somewhere and I like start feeling my body moving again. And I'm like, oh, I just, I just need to listen to music. Sometimes it's very Mm. simple. Like you said, it's, it's dancing and music for me. Um, this past weekend when we were at the retreat, I swam in the pool and I was like, wow, this feels really good. Like, and it's just, these are basic, but we were just so, um, so divorced from this. Yeah. Mm. Because it's not the, the hot thing. Yeah. We're, we're used to be like chasing, oh, what's the next technique? What's the next method? What's something outside of myself that I have to learn versus things that are inherently, appealing to us because that's our nature and that's how we're wired spiritually. But I, I beg you, if you, you know, you, you, you sang and you dance and you made that, you did that daily for seven or 10 days, like you would have so much traction. It's going to be unbelievable because now you're operating more in your essence than you are your, your programming in your past. And you are now standing more in your, 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 your power energetically versus, you know, spending most of your time dealing with things that are coming to you throughout the day. And then in the day, you've got nothing left to give for yourself because all you're doing is trying to survive with everything that's thrown at you. Mm-hmm. First, when you do this, 
it puts you in a higher vibration to where those things don't come. Or if they do, you have so much energy that, that it's just like, it's done like that. It's you, you shift it or you get through it or, you know, you overcome it without even knowing that you needed to. Right. Mm-hmm. So a lot of it is like, this. it's, it's it, again, I try to teach things that are super applicable to anybody, regardless of their background or resources, because it works. And the cool thing about the things that really work is we don't have to do much outside of us. It's yeah. all something that we can do with what we've got. Right. And that's how it's designed. It's designed to be sustainable. Right. Mm. It's, it was never, I mean, all the outside stuff, it's great. I mean, they're, they're tools and they, I'm not saying that don't do them. They, they work, but even without them, you know, internally we've got it. And I think yeah. people have um, stepped away from really realizing that a lot of times the answers are within like, you know, know. And their power away, but it's easier to, and I get why it happens. And I know how it's designed to do that. But once you realize that we have within and you start trusting yourself, it's easier said than done, but over time it gets better. And you start realizing, shoot, like this whole time, like freaking it's, I've, I got it, but it's just not, it might not just be the, 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 you know, the thing that the mind wants to hear at times. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Gina and I have both had our phases of being obsessed with like booking, like healing session, astrology session, Reiki session. <laughs> I, like I did too. I did too. And right. I it, I, I think it's a rite of passage for some. Yeah. Totally. I did that too. And I was like, wow, it's amazing. Amazing. Until it came to a point where we're like, guess what? We're not going to channel anymore. We're not going to do this. Look within. And it was the most painful, grueling, like period of my time of like, holy shit, I got to look within. Yeah. Right. <laughs> but once you, and the thing is, it's not to say that you're never going to rely on readings and all those things. Once you step into your power and realize you can do it within, mm. then you've got options. Do I yeah. want to tap in or do I want to listen? It's never going to be one or the other. Sometimes it stops to force you to look within mm-hmm. and then you can have it all. Like, you know, there's no rules of saying like, you know, once you're awake and you have it within, you should never do this. I mean, this right. is like, this is giving you more options. This is just doing it in a way where you're not giving your power away and not know who you are. Mm, yeah. It's the power giving, it yeah, is. giving the power to outside things and always looking, you know, I always say to my clients too, that, you know, when they come to me, they have an inside problem and they're looking for an outside solution. Yeah, and um, the only way to really circumvent this problem and this feeling of like hustling and chasing is to go back to the inside out, right? Yeah. So your your inside problem is coming from like the human story, right? The identification with like old thoughts, stories, and beliefs, and all of this. And so when we go to the inside, right, we take our power back, and then yeah, the the outside changes, but it's not through outside. And so exactly. I think that that's that's just the journey we're all on, though. Is coming into this world totally, fully spiritual, like you said, as a soul and realizing everything is within and then just getting totally jaded and like looking, you know, our physical five senses are so attached to what's going on out here, right? And we're just, we're just not connecting with that inner part of us. And um, I think every single person has to figure out at some point on their journey how to get back to that part of themselves. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's the biggest part. It is the journey. Right. And a lot of it is it's it's we I feel like the more we can enjoy it by like doing a lot of the the practices that clear our energy, like it speeds up the journey through each of the phases. Like it doesn't have to be long. It's only long when the mind prolongs it, but when we're in flow, 
and we're and we're doing these things that are that might not seem much, but they, they, when you do them, it has a drastic effect on your your well being and the quality mm. of life. And life is meant to be easy in a mm-hmm. way to where yeah. the things that we need they're not they're not outside of us. They're they were given to be sustainable. Mm, and we were yeah. given the tools. We have everything we need. We just forget, you know, yeah. how to use them. You know that we even have them within. But when we make those connections. You know, we 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 were born with everything we need to thrive and do our purpose work in life. It's just a matter of are we connecting to the version of ourselves that has it all mm. versus trying to like you know think that we're just a limited portion of our story and we don't see the grander essence of who we are. Yeah, I love I love the idea of this sustainable spiritual practice and how you've simplified that because I think even myself included, sometimes I feel like I'm not as spiritual because I can't meditate for five hours a day. Or if yeah. I can't, you know, do breath work and yoga and journal and do all those things, I'm like, oh, I'm so disconnected. But you can just sing a song in a car. You <laughs> can do a podcast like this. And, yes. and, 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 and the message that you're spreading to everybody else, purpose work, in my mind, like, think about it. When you're looking at meditation and breath work, what does it do for you? You got to look at everything as a vehicle means to an end. Meditation and breath work, some people want to feel relaxed. Mm. Some people want to um, access higher information. Some people want to feel things, right? Mm-hmm. Right? Doing meditation is not the only way to feel relaxed. Mm. You know what I mean? You can get a massage if you like a massage. You can dance. You can sing. But you've got to stop. You know, I'm telling people, you've got to stop thinking that there's this only way. And if you can't do it this way for this length of time, because that might work for somebody else. You might yeah. have somebody else that can do five hours a day and that's sustainable to their nature. They right. enjoy it, right? Versus if you're like, shoot, like, you know, I love singing. I love dancing. I love doing these different things. And it produces the same outcome. Mm. Then it's the outcome that you're chasing and everything is a vehicle to get there. And when you start seeing them as a vehicles to where you're like, if you don't want to change them, then all of a sudden, like, you know, you have more options. Mm, yeah. I, I definitely see a lot of people, like, trying to, like, use spiritual practices in order to, like, feel more connected, like, feel more whatever. But, you know, I feel the most connected just when I have a conversation. I'm yeah. like, I'm, I'm very connected. Um, and sometimes, actually, what's interesting that I've noticed within myself recently is actually isolating myself and trying to be spiritual is actually disconnecting me. And yep. um, that's been interesting because I was like, oh, like journaling used to work and like meditation used to work, but it's actually being in dialogue that's made me feel a lot more connected. It's just like dancing and almost like disconnecting from my quote unquote spiritual practice. But like you said, I'm totally being a self-sustaining spiritual mm-hmm. practice in my own body. <laughs> well, the thing is, as you grow, the things that used to work won't. You got to exactly. remember like the, the biggest th- pain that I've seen a lot of people that do spiritual stuff is they real- they think that what used to work before should work now, but you outgrow it. Because as you yeah. evolve, as you, grow, you don't need as much, right? I mean, it, it really doesn't. I mean, I used to shield myself every single day for several months and now I barely do because yes, you can protect yourself with shields, but ultimately if you know the game then your vibration becomes your protection and you just live a day daily in a, in a manner to where you're raising your vibration you're doing you know you're doing things that are, that excite you the most so the thing is things change as you grow the tools change the tools the tools shift with it and it's okay if like you know we started off meditating and that worked for you and right now dancing is what works dancing right. is your meditation and you know what mm. who knows if dancing is going to work 10 years from now you might be mm. different it might be different 
it might be more conversation. And in my mind, when you're having a conversation like this, it could be equivalent to 10,000 meditations on a frequency. Right. Because you're channeling information, you're learning stuff, you're growing, you're, it's, it's all in a condensed time frame. So what's not to say that you're doing a thousand meditations, hours of meditations right now, as far as the effect of it energetically when you're doing right. this? Totally. Oh and I gosh. think we just get, we, I know, because I, I totally feel that, right, Gina? Like I, I can feel the energetic frequency of this conversation and I'm like, yes. I don't even need to meditate. But it's like the mind that gets attached to these. It's the rules. It's the rules. Yes. About it. Like if you can't meditate two, three hours a day, you're a piece of shit, right? Yeah. You're, not yeah. Being, you're not being a spiritual person. If you don't do this, then you're not doing that. If you're not, if you're not doing, like if it's all these rules that are, that are, that work for whoever created them at that moment in time and we try to fit our ourselves in that box which is not true to our essence or not anymore right Mm -hmm. and a lot of it is giving yourself flexibility to realizing you're an ever-evolving you know you know soul here on this planet to where you're gonna shift and grow and the things that appeal to you that you love the movies that the movies that you loved 10 years ago might not be the movies or music that you like now yeah and it's okay So if it's okay for music, it's okay for movies, it's okay for hobbies, it's definitely okay for spiritual practices that no longer resonate with your soul. Yes. I think one of my spiritual lessons this year has been that, well, number one, really that we are in constant evolution, right? And mm-hmm. even looking at the world, right? The earth, it's it's so dynamic, but our mind wants to keep things static. Mm-hmm. And so I I always have just I've just become very aware of this relationship within me because I'm an ever-changing being. I'm not the same person I was a day ago, a week ago, but my mind wants to stay attached to who it thought it was or like what it used to do or like even what it used to think, right? And so I like how you talked about earlier how like okay, you become a mom now. Okay, just new identity. Right. And you just become these new versions of yourself and um, really just begin to, it's like, it's not like cutting the cord, but I guess it is. I've just, the old self is no longer necessary. And yeah. you just keep evolving into the next level over and over and over. And a lot of it is doing with, with love is like realizing that the old version of you got served the purpose. Yeah. Right? Right. It's not wrong. It just is. And regardless if we're shameful of it, it's like the deepest intention of that part of us that did something in the it's there's always an intention that's that we're not seeing right and mm. it's, and, and I'm, a, I'm a i'm a big believer that the intent like you know can be good right you know for somebody steals food right you know the act might not be great but if they're stealing it because they're hungry I, I at least notice the intent i don't look at this things that's completely black and white yes i don't like your behavior it's hurting somebody but what was your intent great and I, and I factor all of it in because I look at it holistically. So if you're like, shoot, I didn't like when I acted that way. I did this and that. But what was your intent? Were you trying to be protected? Were you trying to be safe? Were you trying to be loved? Were you trying to avoid being hurt? What is the intention? Mm-hmm. I might not like the behavior, but at least I can empathize with the intention. And I, cannot, I, I don't have to make it all bad. And I feel like once we start seeing the holistic, you know, well-roundedness part of our past, then we we take it a little bit easy on ourselves, realizing mm-hmm. that, hey, when you're talking to yourself like that, you're not talking to yourself at this age, at this version. You're talking to the four-year-old version of you that's wounded. And would you talk to a four-year-old like that? Yeah. Or would you come up with grace, right? And realizing mm-hmm. that when we at times do things that we're like, shoot, I can't believe I did that. We were, it, it was from a part of us that's very stuck, whether it's inner child work. And I, you, you treat yourself like, 
that inner child version and not and you bring a lot more love and compassion and empathy to it yeah mm. that was that was really meaningful for me to hear um and i'm sure so many people because i think people who deal with guilt or shame or like oh i made this mistake it's regret like, regret you know there's so much I think the pain is coming from a lot of the current identification with that. It's like, oh my God, like I did that. And I was listening to Eckhart Tolle yesterday who was saying the, who's I, <laughs> right? Like who you are in this moment, e even the idea of like, I did that, like that's not even real anymore. And yeah. that's been kind of just, you know, taking my mind for, oh, it's just been throwing my mind a bit. But um, I love what you said about the intent behind it because a lot of the things that we do that we regret later on, there, there was no malicious intent in the moment yeah. um, to another person or even to ourselves. I think that one of the things that's always um, helped me is realizing that everyone does anything, whether we perceive it as good or bad, to feel better. Mm -hmm. That's what yeah. I've noticed. It's like- and even, someone, even that is a intent that I understand. Exactly. Yeah. Right? An understandable intent. Yeah. I mean, that's one. And, and, and the thing is just seeing the whole picture, factoring mm -hmm. everything in. And when you do that, it's like, it's just a more well-rounded holistic view. And it's not too much of like one or the other, right? Yeah. It's not too much like you got to meditate for five hours or you're going to be lost. You're never going to find love or you're not spiritual. I mean, right. those are two extremes, right? You know, and a lot of it is like when we see it for what it is, but yes, you can, you can meditate for five hours or you can do the thing that works for you either way it works, mm. then all of a sudden you don't have any pain or conflict because you're not feeling bad because you don't fit in this box. Mm. Yes. Mm. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Needed to this hear is that. definitely blowing all of our minds. And honestly, just everything you're talking about is very, um, I mean, no surprise there. We, we're always hearing what we need to hear, right? And having the conversations 100%. that need to take place. And it's funny because I know we're going to listen back to this and get a totally different message too. Um, but I'm curious to know, I'm going to change gears a little bit here. I really want you to talk more about um, sacred geometry. This is something that has recently come into my awareness and I haven't really received an explanation that I can really understand. So I would love to hear your explanation of it and how we can incorporate or use that in our daily lives. Yeah, I mean, the way I look at it, it's it's the language of God, creation, universe, whatever people believe in, the sacred geometry. It's outside of us. It's inside of us. If you Google like sacred geometry in nature, you're going to see patterns everywhere from flowers to seashells, like everything outside, even the great pyramids, things that we can't explain, has a sacred geometry effect to it, mm -hmm. right? Um, where there's, the, you know, and, and there's divine proportions, like, you know, Fibonacci sequences, all of it. It's like, yeah. it's like a language of creation. But if you look at within us, we also have it. The spirals in our DNA, like, you know, and, and if you look at deeper into our DNA, it's like literally two pyramids back to back, the octahedrons mm -hmm. and our cells is spherical in nature. It's like, we've got sacred geometry outside of us and and within us. So it's the sake, it's like, it's the sacred language of creation mm. that if we know what it is, then we realize it's just everywhere, right? Mm. And and for me, the way I look at it is it's it's one of the things to where if you want to impact energy and creation and and life at the deepest levels, and you realize what the, what's the language being used. And when I look at the sacred geometry, there's different uses. Like, you know, sacred geometry can be used to amplify energy, to contain energy, to sustain energy, it can be used for protection, for activation. It can be used to... Um, um, bring energy from one area to another at a shortest amount of time and distance and make it more potent. 
there's a lot of uses for it. People, mm. like if you look at scientific, for example, pyramid technology, if you look at them and you study the effects of benefits of pyramids, you're going to see all over the world, like people put, you know, um, that's why they put, um, they realize like, you know, they, 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 they have the mummies under um, the pyramids, they decay slower, right? Mm, and, uh, and a lot right. of times people put, put um, vegetables and um, fruit underneath the pyramid and it stays fresher longer. Right, and they even did experiments. Um, in uh, in um, this researcher called um Bill Carroll, um, he put brine shrimp under a pyramid. So one was under the pyramid, one was not under the pyramid, and the one that was under the pyramid lived. I think I'm gonna butcher this, but I think lived three weeks longer than the one that was not under the pyramid. Right, so it's all these different studies, and when you realize that what the pyramid does, for example, a sacred geometry, whether you imagine it, you're inside of it. Right or you're actually inside of it doesn't matter, but you can imagine it, and the energy is you know still there. Is it keeps everything underneath it protected, and and you know and and homeostasis to to its nature to where if there's radio waves, EMFs, ELFs, all those different things, it doesn't affect what's underneath it. It just keeps it keeps it going as it's intended, right? Mm-hmm. And when you realize a pyramid can do that, then you're like, oh wow, it can be. For protection, that structure for some, mm. right? It can be for getting messages clearly. Because when you're not affected by all those different things, it's easier for intuition to come and for you to know what's sign from what's noise, right? Mm. So the way I look at it is sacred geometry is just like, this is the language of creation and it's around us. And it's one to where, whether we believe it or not, it's very active in how it affects our day-to-day lives. And um, and when I realized that, it, wow, it's a lot of science behind it. And that's mm-hmm. when I got excited earlier on, realizing there's, this is real. It's, it's it, whether we believe it or not, it's, it's definitely real. It's definitely affecting us and it's definitely all over the world. And it's one of the things where as I ventured deeper into healing, um, it became more prominent in the way I did things. Mm. I um I think for me what sacred geometry has really just helped me understand on such a integrated level of awareness is that I am nature. Mm-hmm. And um I think there's obviously a lot of people who are understanding that now, but I think when I was growing up, I really felt such a separation between me and nature. It's like, you know, we we build these walls and roofs and we separate ourselves and um you know, I think in the Bible, they said man had dominion over all things, right? And so there again, we're having this separation. And then when you see the sacred geometry, like you said, the spirals and the DNA and, you know, the way that the the triangles of our – it's just so crazy because like even when I look at a mountain, I had this moment last year. I was looking at a mountain. I saw this river and I was like, that river is like my little capillaries. Like <laughs> I just had this moment yeah. of like seeing like myself in the nature and mm-hmm. the nature like seeing itself through me. Um, and so it's really helped me connect and realize that I'm I'm not separate from the things that are going on. Like I am impacted by energy. I impact energy. And that's been really empowering. Mm. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it does make us like, it, it brings us to this, this truth of oneness that, you know, everything internal is external yeah. and vice versa. And that we're affecting, you know, like you said, nature and nature is affecting us. And there's this rhythm to it as we're not just being affected by it, we're also causing it yeah. right things outside we also produce energy that creates the ripple and we're also affected by the ripple and it's 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 everything you know everything and anything right 
So I think it just brings such greater understanding to just who we are, how the world works, how our souls work, how energy works, you know? Yes. Wow. You have such a wealth of information and you've honestly just your the paradigm about the healing and um, the human story and the soul story. I feel like I need to go back and listen to yes. all of these things. It's been like, yeah, it's it's really challenged me. And I love, I love that because that's the whole point of these conversations is I want to expand my consciousness. And I love talking with other people who see things a different way and really stretch me. And so I want to thank you for that. Yes. Um, Gina, do you want to ask our final question? Yes, I would love to hear what you're going to say, Oliver. Um, so, you know, of course, our podcast is called Spiraling Higher, and it kind of feels like everybody has a certain theme of healing throughout their life, or maybe, again, a common thing that kind of continues to come up, whether it be fear of being seen or fear of, you know, not being worthy. So we're curious to know what is something that you have consistently had to spiral through in your life? Yeah, um, a lot of it was fear of not being like my dad. Right. For, for earlier in my life, he, he was my initial fuel, mm. like my um, initial dislike and hatred um, fueled me to like kind of prove him wrong. Like, let me see you do like, tell me to turn left. I'll turn right. Right. Some of it is like, you know, no rhyme or reason. I'm just like, it was the fuel that got me started. Mm. Um, but it a fuel that changed because when I started having kids of my own, I realized what it was like, you know. To be to be a dad and and mm -hmm. the things that um that um parents experience that they yeah. they can know that sometimes we can't we don't know their intention we don't know their heart we don't know what's going on in their mind all we see is actions that we might be taken out of context and we think that's reality and when and when I started you know going through that it opened my heart to where mm -hmm. I looked at it differently to where I'm like you know what the things that I didn't like about my dad like you know um are things that I've healed and the things that got me to where I am, a lot of them, whether I would like to admit it or not, a lot of them are from my dad, but in an elevated way. So if I'm going to blame him for the pain, I've also got to blame him for the goodness because yeah. I wouldn't be without, but wouldn't be where I am without him. So I had to heal that. I had to love and to love myself and love like, you know, see my dad and love him in a different set of lenses to really go full circle with that. Um, and it and it's one that like really stretched me to my core, but also gave me the most amount of freedom uh, and fulfillment. And it's one to where it's, it's a hard one, but it's like, like, you know, it, it's we at times need to, to heal all parts of us. Um, and for me to do that, I got to factor in mom and dad. Things mm -hmm. I like, things I don't like, and, and and really seeing it from a different set of lenses, right? Mm -hmm. um, um, from one that you haven't seen before, one that's factoring in everything. And sometimes that kind of experience you're not going to get till you're in a specific life phase. And for me, it was in order to understand fatherhood, I had to become a father. Yes. Before that, I, I didn't have any perspective. So different life phase and stage kicked off that healing that brought yeah. more understanding so a lot of times if you're not having you know that 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 um the healing and the realization maybe because it's yet to come with a journey you're about to go through right so a lot of it is mm. also patience with yourself as you go through life if it's not fast enough to realize that you're like that flower you'll bloom in divine time and just enjoy the journey 
Yeah. I love that patience piece. Thank you so much. Because sometimes I'm like, what am I rushing towards? Like, yeah. like who, what part of me even wants to go fast? And it, it's always ego, mm-hmm. right? Because spirit's not in a rush. Um, no enlightened being ever rushes. And so, yeah, thank you for reminding me and everyone who's listening that patience, divine timing, you're right on time. And trusting, right? That we're getting exactly what we need in every moment. Yes. Wow. Mm. Thank you so much, Oliver. This was once again, like just mind blowing for me and just really paradigm shifting. And I'm sure our listeners feel the same way, but um, if they want to connect with you, work with you, um, where can they find you? What are you currently working on? Yeah. I mean, the book's probably a good start. Um, Just go to Amazon, like, you know, um, Spiritual Activator, Hay House is the publisher. So if you type in Spiritual Activator, Hay House, the book's going to show up. And that probably is um, if that's only, the only thing they can do, I would do that because I, I wrote that book in a way to where if I could travel back in time 20 years ago and hand myself just one thing, I would hand myself the book. I wrote the book as a way to where I'm going to, if I can just hand it to my kids, mm. that it, would, it would give them the best chance of life, right? Mm, wow. Being all of them. So I wrote the book with that intention as I wanted it to reach people that we normally don't reach because it gets translated in different languages. People can read right. it and they get what they need from it. Even if I never get to see them, talk to them, hug them, you know, celebrate with them, it, 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 at least in that form, it can give them that um, advantage and edge in life. Um, hmm. So the book and then a lot of social media. I mean, I post so much free content like Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, Facebook, Spiritual Activator. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that I put there for free. So I would... That would definitely be another thing that I would I would check out just to, you know, um check out my content, see if it resonates and hopefully it helps. Mm-hmm. We've got Amazing. so many good golden nuggets in there. So yeah, definitely recommend I've checking watched, out. Yeah. Totally. I've watched so many of the TikToks. And so everyone go find Oliver, spiritual activator. And um, thank you so much, Oliver. We hope you enjoyed chatting with us today. And um, if you're listening to this and you like this episode, leave us a five-star review and let us know. Um, tag Oliver in your stories and let us know what you thought. Sam, Gina, thank you so much for having me and um, and allowing me to share just like, you know, my my mission and my message with your with your um, listeners. Thank you so much. Oh, my gosh. A pleasure. Amazing. Is all ours. Thank yes. you so much. Well received. Thank you, Oliver. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to this honest conversation. We hope it brought you peace, clarity and a little bit further along your spiritual journey. If you loved this episode, it would mean the world to us if you left us a five-star rating and review so we can bring you more conscious conversations, spiritual topics, and guests. Here's to spiraling higher.